Coming up on Modern Veterinary Practice. The employers were very open-minded about this, but they just didn't um, sort of know how to implement it. And, you know, everybody needs flexible working to some extent, um, but uh, there needs to be sort of a two-way flexibility, sort of a give-and-take approach between the employer and the employee to make it work. Welcome to Modern Veterinary Practice. I'm your host and veterinary IT expert, Jack Peplow. In this week's episode, I'll be talking to Sylvia Janska, founder and CEO of Flexi, about flexible working, who wants it, what it looks like, and whether COVID has encouraged a change in the veterinary industry. I'll also talk about Google My Business, one of the simplest and most effective ways of getting your business up to be found online. Have you set up a Google My Business page for your veterinary practice? If the answer to this is no, then it's time to get to work. Setting up your Google My Business listing is one of the simplest and most effective ways of ensuring that your practice is easy to find online. Once complete, it gives you the power to attract and engage customers when they search for your practice on Google. The profile you create will ensure that you appear in Google searches and maps. It will also allow you to respond to any Google reviews you might have and post photos of your products or special offers. A word of warning though, you will need to keep your profile up to date with the correct details, such as telephone numbers, addresses and opening hours. This is because Google makes regular changes to its algorithms, meaning that if you want your practice to appear in local searches, you will need to be optimizing it on a regular basis. Essentially, by setting up your Google My Business page, your practice will appear on Google searches for local veterinary practices with your contact details and other business information readily available without the person searching having to go onto your webpage. You'll even be able to use the Google My Business dashboard to gain key insights on your audience and local search performance. In the analytics tab of the platform, you can even see the queries customers are using to find your business profile. So don't delay, get on an update or set up your veterinary practices profile. The interview. Uh, Hello, everyone. Well, thank you for having me on this um, podcast. I'm extremely excited to be here. Um, So my name is Sylvia Janska. I have a background in research. I did a bachelor's in veterinary science and a master's in wild animal biology prior to um, getting my vet degree um, from the RVC. Um, After I graduated, I completed an equine internship and obtained my certificate in veterinary business management from University of Liverpool. Um, I have worked in clinics up until now, and I still do, um, um, more as a low-coming rather than full-time just because of corona and everything that's been happening. Um, but for the past uh, year or so, I've had um, I've developed a bit of a portfolio career working, um, as I said, as an ambulatory equine vet, um, but also consulting within the animal health industry. So I have my own consultancy, particularly looking at um, uh, pet startups from America wanting to enter the European market. And I'm also running um, two of my own startups, um, Flexi, which is um, all about flexible working because that's what I'm extremely passionate about and I think that's what the podcast will be about today and secondly uh, another one looking into sort of small animal um, and the pet sector um, and as a sort of uh, another fun thing on the side, so the volunteer thing I'm on a SPIFS board member and also a member of the Green Veterinary Practice Working Group for Vet Sustain. Um, and I think that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Hi, Sylvia. That is quite a variety there. You're a very, very busy person. Um, <laughs> welcome to the Modern Veterinary Practice podcast. Um, obviously, really excited to have you on the today. On today, how are you? 
uh, busy, as you said, <laughs> but fantastic. No, I couldn't be better. And I, I think for me, COVID was, um, the COVID pandemic was one of my most productive times. I so. bet, I bet. Quite an opportunity in a way. Um, so as you mentioned today, we're going to be talking about flexible working in the veterinary sector, a subject that obviously I find fascinating myself. Now, it's been around in other sectors for quite some time now, um, but it's not necessarily a way of working that you'd associate with veterinary. How did you first become interested in the subject out of interest? Yeah, no, of course. Um, it sort of started a couple of years ago, really, and it came from a very personal need. And both me and my um, uh, a business partner, Jessica May, um, we realized that, uh, you know, uh, the permanent employees um, needed a bit more flexibility. So let me just clarify, when we are talking about flexible working, I'm talking about permanent veterinary staff, not locums, um, and how can we provide um, or and implement flexible working for um, the permanent employees. And so, yeah, it, it just started from a personal need, um, and I started talking to other um vets, uh, other peers, and found out that um, quite quite a lot of employees were seeking exactly what I was seeking. Um, obviously, it's not just about the employees. So then I started talking to uh, veterinary employers across um, the different vet practices and very quickly found out that they were actually very keen to implement more flexibility in their practice. They just didn't know how to make it sort of beneficial for the employee and for the business and to maintain a happy team. And so that really became sort of the, the core reason um, why I wanted to uh, research this and see, you know, how can we achieve um, exactly this, you know, benefit all sort of three areas. And obviously also from the sort of the, the practice need, the practice really uh, needs to be able to retain its staff uh, and retain a happy staff. Um, reduce the levels of um, stress. Actually, reducing levels of stress was a top priority from the Vet Futures Project in 2015, I believe. Mm. So, um, you know, could flexibility help um, help reduce this stress? Um, and also from the sort of the industry need, because obviously um, we have a huge feminization in the, in the industry and currently uh, more female vets work flexibly than male vets. Um, but that is because there is an increasing number of female vets in the industry. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, for example, um, the highest increase in part-time working was seen in the male vet population in the past oh, wow. 10 years. So, you know, it's just interesting sort of changes within the industry as well. So it's kind of sort of, although it originated from our personal need, I think it's very important for the practice and for the whole industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, flexible working can mean different things to different people. Can you explain what you mean when you talk about flexible working and how that looks when applied to veterinary? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So flexible working is um, described typically as a, a type of working arrangement that gives a degree of flexibility on how long, where and when and at what times an employee works. Now, in other sectors, an employee might be allowed to or able to fully work um, you know, fully remotely or just through telemedicine, etc. And so I think it's extremely important to clarify that um, what we mean by flexible working is and does not equate, you know, remote working or remote prescribing or telemedicine or part-time, because those are the sort of things that usually we associated flexible working with. But actually, there is about 15 different ways you can work flexibly that are defined by the UK government. <laughs> so, you know, um, flexible working for the vet industries um, 
different in a way because obviously what is the profession we have to physically be there with the animal um so you know it's just finding ways to allow certain give and take flexibilities for the employee but also so that it fits with the employer yeah i think you're gonna have to come up with your own term um now it's a it's a bit of an obvious question but i'm sure there'll be areas we may not have considered but what are the advantages to flexible working you mentioned some but you know can you give me a quick summary oh my goodness there is um there is a lot and i think there is some that are very um very obvious um some that are less so so for example um one of the things and i mentioned at the beginning that i've been researching this space for the past two years and part of that research um we run a uh, industry-wide flexible working survey which had over 500 um responses and we also um interviewed numerous employers and employees um and on top of that we partnered up with a a TimeWise, which is the UK's largest flexible working consultancy. So we have a lot of background in this, but talking about benefits specifically, I can t- tell you So from our survey, from the Flexi um, survey, both employers and employees saw that the biggest benefit of flexible working was um, that it attracts and retains staff. Yes. That practices. Second largest benefit um, was that it boosts well-being, autonomy and morale. Um for the individual um then the next ones uh were uh, sort of a bit less you know i'm sort of going down down the um, <laughs> graph um that it increases commitment to the team yes that it um, increases commitment to the practice and increases motivation for the job um some some from from my interviews some employers were saying that actually during covid when they had to change the way they work and sort of gave a bit more autonomy to the employees um then uh, the productivity actually increased rather than decreased although there was that worry of okay if i don't um you know um i guess if if i give more flexibility they'll sort of do what they want but actually i have a lot of employers um particularly farm animal employers tell me the exact opposite which is quite interesting um so yeah those are some of the um so I, I guess in a bigger nutshell, you can sort of say it um, in, helps improve workplace culture and retains staff. Yeah, no, which is what the industry really needs. So that's great. Would you say that you're generally met with enthusiasm from everyone who you speak to about flexible working or is it just the vets, vet nurses and receptionists who are keen whilst the practice managers and owners look at you with panic in their eyes? <laughs> no, yeah, well, <laughs> no, I think, as I said before, of course, because um, it came from me as an employee, um, uh, I, I spoke to a lot of employers, and as I said, I then started speaking to a lot of the employers as well. Um, and it, it wasn't, I mean, the employers were very open minded about this, but they just didn't um, sort of know how to implement it. Yes. And you know, everybody needs flexible working to some extent. Um, but uh, there needs to be sort of a two-way flexibility, sort of a give-and-take approach between the employer and the employee to make it work, right? Yes. Um, and so, again, just another interesting statistic from our survey, actually, a third of the employers who answered the survey consider it a high or very high priority to um, find ways of implementing flexible working in their practice. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 not the, it's not sort of met with enthusiasm it's just everybody seems seem to want it but they just don't really know um how and oftentimes they're kind of even if 
um, a lot of practices, probably majority of practices I've come across actually tried to implement it, failed for whatever reason. Um, and, and that's what our work was. We were trying to analyze, you know, um, where they have gone wrong. Um, but then they were obviously, you know, much more sort of disheartened and cynical to try something new again the next yeah. time. So um, that's where sort of the, um, one of the barrier barriers lies. Yeah. No, that's cool. And is there a particular demographic that shows more interest to flexible working? Um, well, it depends what you mean from the employees or employers, but um, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, from our survey, actually, it was um, more of the over 40s that were seeking flexible working. Okay. Although oftentimes we talk about millennials and we talk about female vets, you kind of have to look at the bigger picture. Of course, more vets are working flexibly or will want to because the profession has more female vets in the first yes. place. Um, you, you know, you will never, um, of course it is the, um, woman who needs to, for example, have the child, etc. But as yes. I said, the highest increase percentage wise in part-time working in the past 10 years has been seen in the male vet population rather than the female vet population. So, you know, you kind of have to look at it a bit sort of, um, generically, uh, rather than just sort of pick on one demographic. Yes. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And why, in your opinion, is there not a mass adoption of veterinary practices implementing flexible working? What would you say the common challenges are? So, uh, I mean, the number one challenge, number one barrier, again, that the survey highlighted and obviously a lot of the interviews is, um, and actually both employers and employees in the vet practices believe that the two highest, most significant barriers um is uh, is the increased hassle uh, and the complexity of rotas that flexible working would um, bring with it. I mean, you know, vet rotas are already complex. So if you then start sort of adding different flexibilities for different people, it would, um, well, they're afraid that it would sort of... Um, overcomplicate. Overcomplicate things, absolutely. And the second uh, biggest barriers is... Um, the difficulty in setting boundaries and ensuring fairness for the whole team. Yes. So um, I think, you know, the practices are already really busy place um, places. So the risk of upsetting the status quo is just uh, too high. Um, yeah, because I mean, obviously, it, would there be a concern that people would be taking advantage of the system as well, especially when it can't be, you know, fully monitored as such because i expect that there aren't really any very good um you know rotor management systems out there that kind of can help tackle that this problem at the moment yes and that's and that's another thing that we are um looking into as i said you know you need to follow a process even before you start seeking the solutions to you know what kind of flexibilities does your business your practice need and what can you offer to the employees um so it's number one thing you know you have to do a sufficient market analysis for your business. Um, but then, as you said, once you do that and once you know what you can and can't allow, um, even flexible working needs to be managed. Yes. And so far, everybody we've spoken to, um, exactly, they've tried and tested a few different rotor management systems, but they're all doing, they're not exactly looking into flexible working. They're only looking into rotors. Yes. Um, so there isn't anything that kind of merges, that kind of uh, allows that kind of two-way flexibility communication. You know, everything seems to be happening on WhatsApp or, or the <laughs> internal practice management um, system. So Sylvia, big question, but what are the key things people can take away in relation to remote work? Yeah, overall, I think, as I said, the, the sort of key takeaways really is that 
flexible working requires flexibility from both sides, the employer and the employee. It needs to follow a process before the practices are actually seeking solutions rather than what they're doing now is just implementing, you know, reactive solutions to what the employees are requesting. Um, a lot of the, pro- the, the, a lot of the clinics are, um, doing insufficient market analysis for their business to know what the sort of solutions can and shouldn't be. Um, and another major thing is that flexible working needs to be managed. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's just ad hoc and all of that takes, um, good communication, good, open, regular, honest communication and ensuring that the opportunities, um, are the same for the whole team. Um, and when I say opportunities, I don't mean the same flexibility needs to be implemented for each individual. Like, you know, the whole practice does a four day compressed working week or something like that. What I'm saying is, you know, the, the chance to voice, um, what they need, you know, um, the, the, the choices need to be, um, sort of uniform the opportunities need to be uniform yeah and I suppose kind of going into you know we're we're hopefully coming out of the coronavirus pandemic now but do you think that there's been wider acceptance of flexible working in the last year due to the the pandemic itself the conversation has absolutely grown um, because we were forced to work differently. So we had to implement some flexibility, even though it's potentially not the kind of flexibility uh, we want to carry forward yes. um, in you know normal times. Um, but it has created um, sort of a space for conversation. And uh, I suppose that's why there's been a lot of interest. Um, also, uh, I keep getting, um, you know, um, uh, invitations for, you know, podcasts like yours and speaker conferences. And, um, I've had a few, um, veterinary employers contact me asking exactly that, you know, so you've been researching this for the past two years. So the practices that are implementing flexible working, how do they make it work? You know, so that's why, uh, sort of from the back of that, we've created Flexi, um, as the consultancy service, because there seems to be an interest, um, now coming out of the pandemic of sort of trying to do things a bit differently moving forward. So it's all about kind of creating a good roadmap for the next steps to make flexible working work and make yes. it sustainable for the individual, the business and the team, because, you know, you can't just have one of those three. So, yeah, no, that's perfect. And I'm glad you've mentioned it. Um, you've obviously said that you're uh, working with your colleague, uh, Jessica May, on a project called Flexi, and that's F-L-E-X-E-E for those listening. Can you tell me a bit about it and what we can expect for, from you guys in the foreseeable future? Yes, absolutely. So um, as I said earlier, we've uh, partnered up with TimeWise, which is the UK's largest flexible working consultancy. And the reason why we partnered up, obviously, is because they're the pros in flexible working overall. And they've been doing this for many more years than just what we've been doing. But again, we are on the other side, um, sort of the pros when it comes to flexible working, specifically in our industry, because it's come, you know, our initiative, and it it was initially an initiative, is now a proper company, but um, it came from from vets, right? And we're trying to help the industry sort from within. Um, but as I said, you know, there needs to be a, a bit of a process to um, finding out what flexibilities even the practice, um, uh, the business and the practice um, can allow. Because I've, this is where a lot of the practices seem to be going wrong, that they kind of allow reactively what the employees are asking for without really um, looking at the business overall. So um, what we do as uh, as Flexi, we sort of come in, try and understand the unique clinic landscape, trying to design 
you know, evidence-based um, solutions, then we sort of uh, support in the implementing and piloting of the flexible working strategy. And obviously then you have to monitor the progress to see if it's, you know, working, if the um, staff and the team is satisfied, if the business is successful. So No, it's exciting. Well, um, it's been great talking to you, Sylvia. If our listeners want to learn more about the work you're doing at Flexi, where can they find out more information? Um, we do have um, a website. It is being edited at the moment, but it's www.flexi with the double E at the end, dot vet, B-E-T. Um, and if not there, then I'm very approachable. Uh, people can find me on LinkedIn, um, the same as Jessica May. So Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sylvia. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No, this was great fun. I hope it will be useful for the listeners as well. I 100% think it will. <laughs> <laughs> Recommended reading. Every week we ask veterinary professionals and experts to suggest a best business book for our listeners. This week's recommendation is from Easy Vets, Amy Sprue. I really liked Memoirs of a Geisha. It's a novel by Arthur Golden and it's just beautiful really. It's it's a fiction novel, but it tells a story of a functional geisha in Kyoto. And it's just really interesting, very loving, very calm, but also there's a little bit of you know sadness to it as well. Um, I don't know, I just generally related to it and um, I'd recommend the read if you're by a pool somewhere with a cocktail. Coming up next week, we welcome back the wonderful Matthew Flan from Pennard Vets. After his last visit, we just had to get him back to talk about their incredible decision to become an employee-owned trust. Um, the traditional uh, routes of succession weren't really viable anymore. We really wanted to remain independent. We wanted to leave a sustainable business. Um, and I think employee ownership lends itself to a sustainable business structure. That's it for this episode. All links and recommendations we talked about are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast if you found it useful. In the meantime, thanks for listening and see you next time.